and next six diaries of separation the first in our two-part series where we get an insight into the world of six people cocooning in early 2020 through their diaries So at the time when cocooning was introduced, I was working in Dublin for St. Vincent de Paul. So I had to go into my office every day. Um, and I used to cycle down from the Phoenix Park through like Fibsborough and into Dublin city centre. And yeah, it was the middle of lockdown and the streets were just dead quiet. The, the concept of cocooning and lockdown, it was all new and it was all, all strange and I just remember cycling on my bike every day through these really quiet streets in Dublin and looking up at the houses and thinking, what is this like for those people cocooning? Because I was finding it difficult and I was a young person who still got to go outside and go to work and meet people every day. But I thought the the media coverage and treatment of cocooning was really interesting. Um, that cocooners were being spoken about all the time and what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing and how long they will be in this situation. But they were never spoken to and I don't think I ever heard one opinion or interview with a cocooner. So I decided to make this uh, to make this documentary and I had my first hurdle then of, of course, the nature of cocooning is that older people are away from society. So how in the name of God was I going to interview them? So I put a small ad in the back of the Irish Times that said, if you are cocooning and interested in participating in a documentary, please phone. And my phone number was there. And some curious people took a chance and rang me. And they said, okay, well, send me a dictaphone. So I said, just record whatever you like. Tell us how you're getting on, if it's good or bad, or tell us about the new hobbies you've taken up, if any. And even if you just want to turn on your dictaphone and record the sounds that you hear on your own all day the kettle boiling and the dog barking that's perfect or if you want to tell us tell us whatever you want to tell us and uh yeah over the next the few weeks then i started to get them back good morning Eva. i've just received the dictaphone i hope this is working um yeah so i'm going to start by recording um, a poem that I wrote near, during this uh, cocooning time and that will just give you an overview as to my feelings on the whole situation at this stage. So these, um, yeah, these are just small handheld dictaphones. So the quality isn't perfect. And also um, there's a lot of atmospheric noise with cars passing and that because if the cocooners were out for their walk, they took the dictaphone out on the walk with them. So you hear the sounds of their lives um, crackling and popping around. But um, I think that kind of adds to it because you really feel like you're there with them. One thing about the recordings, I don't think they are reflective of the um, experience of cocooning as a whole. You know, th how this all came about was I put an ad in the back of the Irish Times. I think maybe the sort of person who's inclined to be curious about that and write into that and contribute to that um, is having a little bit of a different experience to someone who's that, that cocooning was quite difficult for them. What is moving will be still 
What is gathered will disperse. What's been built up will collapse. All of your dreams, they're all fulfilled. Where I live, there are about um, 57 residents. Um, many of those residents are living in apartments on um, on, on our complex, um, and all of us are over 70, so everyone here was cocooning. Uh, it was quite difficult for many of the people who, particularly those living in the apartments, who found it quite claustrophobic. And, of course, the daily lunch uh, routine where we all met in the dining room that, uh, that that had to be changed to a delivery service to our homes, which again isolated uh, the residents here. So as things moved on and as we were allowed to get out a little bit more, um, I would always have taken exercise and would be quite fit. And myself and one of the neighbours here started doing an exercise session together. And this evolved into offering uh, an exercise session every morning at 11 o'clock for any of the residents who'd like to come along. And so uh, we've had about eight to ten people most mornings and they really enjoy the experience. Not only is it an exercise session, but it is a linkage for them to engage at a distance and just to smile at each other. So we start with a little exercise of saying good morning to everyone and going for a walk around the grounds. And then we get into a 20 minute exercise programme finishing up with what I call uh, freestyle. Um, this certainly wouldn't have happened if we hadn't been cocooning here. And so today um, my plans are, after organising the gardener to clean the um, area around our bungalow, it's now about half ten and at eleven I will be meeting the exercise group. So people enjoy that and that's, that will bring me up to um, about twelve o'clock. Um, we'll see how the day rolls out after that. Okay, how are we all doing this morning? Are we okay? Good morning to you all and thanks for coming along. Lovely sunny day, but it is a bit cold and there's a bit of a breeze today, so we need to keep, keep moving. So we'll start off with our just moving on the spot and loosening up and smiling at each other. We're going to try to move every muscle in our body in this 20 minute session. So just when you're doing any action with your hand, move your fingers because we want to be able to uh, close our buttons as we get older and for ladies maybe the bra strap and whatever it is so just that's a good little exercise to do and remember this actually is very good for your cognitive um, well-being now we're just going to kick the legs back we haven't done that for a few and again if you need um, some balance you know the edges of the windows there so when the saints go marching in and when the saints go marching in. Very good for the balance and for the core strength. And when the saints go marching in. Or when the band begins to play. When the band begins to play. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> That's uh, four, three, two, one. Do, do, do. Well done to everyone. That was a good one. Thank you very much. I'm Michael Grant. 
The concept of cocooning was introduced into the language of the nation in the middle of March. At the outset, I thought the term comforting. In the meantime, I have come to loathe the word which was being applied to everyone over the age of 70, regardless of their state of health, as well as to the vulnerable. I am 77, in good health, capable of walking for hours every day. I can cut the grass, clear the driveway of weeds and moss, even cook the dinner and wash the dishes. The media chose to represent all those cocooned with images of old people on Zimmer frames, frail hands of people confined to chairs, etc. Even some shops on reopening started to use the image of a stooped person with a walking stick to represent the hours set aside for those cocooned and vulnerable. These images do not represent me, nor many thousands like me. After two months of this, I complained to the Taoiseach and every member of government as well as to my local TD. I was reassured by the fact that the President, in his appearance on The Late Late Show, also found the way all older people were being treated objectionable. He was of the view that chronological age was irrelevant. It seems that I was not the only one incensed by the portrayal of all older people of not being capable of taking responsibility for their own actions. And I was amazed when the Taoiseach, at the start of his announcement about the first relaxation in the lockdown, apologised for the fact that the term cocooning had caused offence to many people. And now all of the notices about COVID-19 invite the over-70s and the vulnerable people to use their judgment as to how to apply the health advice given. Now that I've got that rant off my chest, what has it been like these last three months? Difficult in many respects, not being able to meet relations and friends, not being able to go to the church, not being able to do our own shopping, basically not being able to interact as human beings. I hadn't bought petrol from mid-March until mid-June, and I have not been on a bus since mid-March either. My wife's trip to Italy in April was cancelled and my trip to France in June is gone too. My hobby is music and planned recitals with my friend have had to be cancelled. It's sad when the most excitement in the week consists of the postman delivering mail, the deliveries of groceries arriving from the local shops in the village and when the delivery from the supermarket arrives. In the early days when we were not allowed outside our houses and gardens, exercise was a problem. We have a relatively large back garden, but even a 30-minute walk took almost 40 laps. This did not do my mental well-being or grass any good. On the brighter side, we have been touched by those who have offered help if we need it. Fortunately, it has not been necessary to call on any of these generous people. The local shops in the village have been brilliant in organising home deliveries of bread, meat, vegetables and even a small amount of wine. Far from becoming butterflies, we would remain pupation in our cocoons. Still, I have to say, it was a far nicer word than shielding which was the equivalent in the UK. Did I have a premonition of what was ahead? Because in 2019, I signed in to the home delivery service of the Irish Times. However, 
realization dawned as well. Would I starve if I couldn't go to the supermarket? You may be pleased to hear, no, I didn't starve. My nephew and two super kind friends shopped for me. One in super value, one in duds, and the other in Marks and Spencer's Lidl or Aldi. And in the local shop. Be that as it may, it also increased online sales of retail items. Why should this worry me? Well, I will tell you, all these parcels, and one day there were eight in the hall, came with heavy cardboard packaging which filled our green bins long before the empty day came round. When cocooning started at the end of March, I decided that I needed something to fill in my day of boredom. At that stage, I was following the daily progress of the spread of COVID-19 from figures released each day by John Hopkins University in the States. Being a mathematician, these figures fascinated me, so I decided to apply my own stats techniques to analyse the figures. Every day now, I download the numbers by country, last thing at night, and analyse the results the following morning. This takes about 90 minutes of my day. Applying each country's statistics set, I can accurately predict the way things are likely to go in Ireland. I have four graphs which I update every day, and these illustrate the trends in Ireland. My stats analysis kept me going for a while, but after a week, I soon realised I needed another pastime to fill in my day. Two years ago, I took a big interest in genealogy, and was able to trace my own family tree, the young, back to the late 18th century, spanning ten generations. I did my mother's family tree as well, Williams, back to nine generations. At that time, I'd used my Welsh background information and accessed a UK genealogy site on the computer but after a while I could go no further. So my new project now became tracing my wife's family tree through Irish genealogy sites. Tracking her chondrocyte and her chlorocyte has been very rewarding. I spend around one to two hours every second day on this new venture, although I'm getting a bit stuck at this stage. Not content with those two projects, I have now embarked on a third venture, updating a book I published in 2015. The book on Rugby Union contained records of the top 20 international rugby teams between 1871 and 2015, culminating at the Rugby World Cup of that year. It also had histories of each team and a lot of trivia which readers found fascinating. I am now in the throes of updating that book on my computer at first to the end of 2019. With international rugby on hold at present, until possibly the end of 2020, the book will be up to date for quite a while. Whether I attempt to get it republished is another story. The time is not quite right to publish it at this juncture anyway. The three ventures I've just mentioned have certainly helped my sanity and fit in well with my daily exercises. As restrictions ease, I'll probably scale down on all three projects. COVID-19 data will become too predictable to have any meaning in the future. Data for furthering my genealogy study will also dry up. 
On top of that, I will probably have finished my rugby update on the computer. The question now is, what will I do when all those three ventures have dried up? Uh, who knows? But I'm sure I'll find other ways to fill in my days. Certainly I will, when things go back to normal. I told the story to a good few of my friends that I was talking to on the phone about the amount of kindness is about. I think this COVID has brought out an awful lot of kindness and goodness. We've got neighbours calling, asking could they do messages for us, could they do this and that and the other, and uh, family calling, and uh, we're never getting back into a wee bit of normality. But I told this story and uh, it, it affected me terribly to think that there's so much kindness I used to go down to the filling station uh, locally every morning about half eight just to get the papers, so to be quiet, to get the papers. And this morning, about about a month ago, about four weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, um, there was this young fellow standing at the counter paying for something. And I was standing back, my distance back, and had the papers in my hand and I was waiting and he was um, paying for something. And he turned around to get, a, I think it was a chewing gum or something from the rack, and he spotted me out of the corner of his eye and he said to John behind the counter, um, and that lady's newspapers. And your man says, pardon? And he says, I want to pay for that lady's newspapers, meaning me. And I said, you will not. And he said, oh, I will. He said, I do an act of kindness every day. And this is my act of kindness for today. Allow me to pay for your newspapers. And he took the newspapers from me, brought them over. Your man scanned them and he paid for them and handed them back to me. And I, I was there, I had tears in my eyes. When I came home, I was telling my husband. I just couldn't believe it. He's only about 20. A little tracksuit bottom and a grey hoodie. And the next morning I went down, the, the staff, obviously, the word had got around. And they were saying, wasn't that amazing? Lovely little fella. He's act of kindness for the day. He says he does an act of kindness every day. And that act of kindness that morning was too by my newspapers so that uh, brings out the good in everybody I think there's an awful lot of good in everybody but they haven't been able to show it. The day has gone on it's now after lunch it's about 2 o'clock and one of the things I've certainly found um, since I started cocooning is that I'm reading a lot more um, a lovely service from the Lexicon Library was um, a book delivery service where if you applied, a librarian would call you back and ask what sort of genre of books you might like. And whereupon, a few days later, you got a bag with about six books and with a, an envelope of lovely wildflower seeds and maybe a bar of chocolate or a little bar of soap. So really, really nice surprise in the brown bag. Uh, now, I have planted my wildflower seeds with some sweet pea and they're coming up out in the back which is just lovely and just a reminder of their kindness. So um, after my exercise with the group, I came in and had to clean the kitchen floor and do some necessities around the house. And um, then we had lunch and I'm just sitting listen to, listening to some music and reading um, one of the books that I got from the library. Um, at about 
2.30, a friend of mine is going to call in with some shopping and at a distance we're going to go for a walk around Collymore Harbour. That should take about 40 minutes and we'll have um, a cup of tea, hopefully outside if um, it doesn't rain. So you can see how the day has just had a lovely flow to it and this is what I'm realising, just how I can relax and enjoy the flow of the day as it, um, as, as it happens. Fortunately, I have many, too many unread books on my shelves. So even if the cocooning had lasted for far longer, I still would never have read them all. When I go to the public library, I tend to get thrillers, but never buy them. I confess I had withdrawal symptoms from them. However, I read many memoirs and much more uplifting books, which probably were better for my soul. Just another small item to add to my mental activities during the last three months. In February, we got an eight-week-old rescue dog from the local vet. But we didn't realise at that time that we were heading towards lockdown. In fact, Millie has been a real treasure and has kept my wife and I very active throughout. As with all puppies, she's very active little Jack Russell wanted to play day and night. We wouldn't do without her now, although she does exhaust us most of the time. So it's now just coming up to six o'clock in the evening um, and uh, my afternoon has been very pleasant. Um, a friend of mine, Grace, she called down with some shopping for me and we um, had a cup of tea together. We sat outside and then we had um, a huge, huge heavy shower of hailstones. Uh, so that put a stop to our gallop and um, <laughs> it was time for her to go home. Uh, so after that, I just uh, read for a while and listened to the radio and I closed my eyes for about half an hour. This has become a routine um, most days for me um, to have a little rest in the afternoon. And that gives me a bit of longer life in the evening time and uh, to be able to stay awake and uh, have, have some time with Fergus and perhaps watching something good on the television, although we don't. Uh, keep the television on all the time if or if there's something I don't want to see and he wants to watch I just come in through the conservatory look out at sea and listen to some music and perhaps read my book um, and I've noticed that the nights um, are bright till about till certainly after half nine so that's always lovely to watch the sun going down and to watch the lights appear around uh, Dublin Bay so that's my day uh, for the moment so you can see just yeah into a nice, 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 relaxing, calm routine. Friends in their letters mentioned what they were or had read. One had Camus' book on the plague already and reread it. The other bought it online. Now, why in the name of goodness 
Would anyone want to read this book at this time? My mind boggles. We had enough of it on the TV and radio, morning, noon, and night. To preserve our sanity, we largely stopped looking at television news. Why have we to be bombarded with reams of largely pointless statistics of doom and gloom? Terrible as it is to say, the return of Brexit to the headlines has been a welcome diversion. We Skype our friends regularly, my Italian lessons are via Skype, and my wife attends her gardening club meetings using Zoom. All very efficient means of doing business, but the missing ingredient is physical contact and interaction. So many people out and about, the weather is glorious, beautiful evening, lovely. I'm uh, amazed that I love to see the kids out on their bikes and all the rest, but it's amazing none of them have bells. And I remember years ago, or years when I was a child, that I think you could be fine for not having a bell on your back. Now, they know they have to ride on the footpaths and all the rest, but they do come up behind you very silently. And um, a couple of occasions I had a, a near miss, and I just thought it was... I said it, I said it once, and I probably said, look at that old one, given out. But um, I think that the parents should ask, or should put bells on the children's backs and ask them to ring them when they're coming up behind somebody on the footpath. And um, it was lovely to see them out and about. It's lovely to see them. It's lovely. As the lockdown was relaxed, I was surprised to find that I nearly preferred not to meet people. A depressing effect of the social isolation imposed on us over the past months. A lifesaver has been the discovery of the nightly relays of high-definition recordings of top-class opera via the internet from the Met in New York. At the time I recorded this piece, the tally of operas viewed was 20. I need new verses to the tune of I've Got a Little List sung by Coco in The Mikado to cover joggers, dog walkers, pram pushers, young things with their heads stuck in their mobile phones, and the latest edition, the returning athlete who believes that he or she can take up about 30 square metres in the public parks to do training. All of these groups in general behave as if the social distancing rules do not apply to them, but then they are young and consider themselves invincible and may even regard the existence of older people as an inconvenience. I am making these reflections just after the announcement of the further relaxations to come into effect on the 29th of June. What is clear is that the new normal will not be normal at all. As time goes by and as this virus is likely to be with us for some time, I suppose I will adapt to wearing a face mask in crowded spaces, to observing social distancing and to minimising human contact. But I wonder, when will we be able to safely attend arts exhibitions, concerts and plays? Attendance at a concert hall or a theatre or any other cultural venue is not going to be an enjoyable experience for either the artists or the audience, if the audience is limited to, say, one-tenth of the venue's capacity. One good thing is that I will be able to get my hair cut after all these months. That is, if I can get an appointment. Another new normal. Thank you.
Cross One, Monday the 18th of May 2020. Today I imagined I would have been jumping for joy, a first tentative step on the road to some form of normality. However, as I sit here looking out on my bird feeders, isolated from the world, I fear that the cocoon which has enveloped us for the past eight weeks may be prematurely, if inadvertently breached, with consequences I don't wish to contemplate. I can only pray that all those working and moving around will be scrupulous in adhering to public health guidelines. Or to paraphrase my old friend Hamlet, I would rather bear those ills I have than fly to others that I know not of. This is Aoife McKiernan. Thank you so much for listening to Six Diaries of Separation. I hope you enjoyed this programme. This is now available on the Ocean FM website and on SoundCloud if you'd like to listen back or share it. We'll be back next week at the same time with part two of the programme and I hope that you'll join us for that.